0: Greetings again in Jesus' name. I wasn't quite prepared for the wave of emotion, I guess, that came over me. But Gary and Missy, I just want to bless you. God be with you and for the others. I want to bless you as you continue to Seek the Lord. The title I was given for this session is A Man Fully Consecrated to God. And I don't know if Tara will ever trust me again, but I kind of flipped the script Thursday night and used the title pretty freely. But as I prepared for this message I had most of it ready and I just I just kept thinking I I needed to make it a more conventional message about well now that we know it's Gary and Missy about challenging Gary to be consecrated to God, to being set apart, giving his life to the work and so on. But what does consecrated mean? I looked it up in the dictionary and it means to declare or separate as sacred, to sanctify or initiate, to dedicate solemnly to a service or goal. I guess I feel like in listening to Gary and Missy and the others in the interviews yesterday that they have consecrated themselves to the Lord and to his work. So today I'm going to preach to you. I'd like for you to turn to Ezekiel 22, the same place we were Thursday night. I'd like for you to really try to use your imagination here today. This is really important to a point I'd like to make later. I know that for me and I'm sure for many and, and at, at times all of you, all of us, we read the Scriptures, we read what happened to the children of Israel, we read stories or or whatever it is, things in the in the Scripture, and it's something that happened to somebody somewhere long ago and really doesn't affect me. The verses that affect me are the ones that our promises, and that kind of thing. But do I, do you have the ability, do we take the time to read the Scriptures in a way that speaks to our own hearts? The Word of God is quick and powerful. It's alive and powerful. And it reveals us. It reveals ourselves to ourselves. So I'd like for you to turn, and again, I should have mentioned earlier, I appreciate how many, I haven't been doing very good at just having a passage for you to read, but I've appreciated hearing the pages turn and people turning in their Bibles to the Scriptures. I think that's, that's great. So as we're here in Ezekiel 22, I want us to imagine some things. Imagine that this passage is about Salem. And I'm going to be pretty free with what I say here today. And I, I, I want you to really try to, again, just, just let your imagination take you into this passage. This passage is about Salem. Again, we're imagining. And I want to be clear. that I'm not saying this is true of Salem. And it's for sure not all true of, of Salem. What I want us to try to capture is the feeling of this chapter in the minds of the people as the word of the Lord was given. So imagine that this passage is not or is about Salem, not about the children of Israel. And it's not Ezekiel speaking. This is Gary's first message. And I'm going to start in verse 17. And I've changed some of the wording a little bit to to adapt to the situation, the scenario we are creating. And the word of the Lord came unto me. This is Gary speaking. The word of the Lord came unto me, saying... Son of man, Salem is to me become dross. All they are brass and tin and iron and lead. In the midst of the furnace they are even the dross of silver. Therefore, because ye are all become dross, behold, therefore I will gather you into the midst of. And here he says Jerusalem. He's talking about Israel. He's gathering you into Jerusalem. So he's. He's concentrating them in a small area. So I'm going to say we're going in the midst of the sanctuary. You're, you're here. You're together. Because you are all become dross, behold, therefore I will gather you into the midst of the sanctuary. As they gather silver and brass and iron and lead and tin into the midst of the furnace, to blow the fire upon it, to melt it, so will I gather you in mine anger and in my fury, and I will leave you there and melt you. Yea, I will gather you and blow upon you in the fire of my wrath, and ye shall be melted in the midst thereof. As silver is melted in the midst of the furnace, so shall ye be melted in the midst thereof, and ye shall know that I, the Lord, have poured out my fury upon you. And the word of the Lord came unto me. And again, this is Gary speaking. The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, say say unto her, say unto Salem, Thou art the land that is not cleansed nor rained upon in the day of indignation. There is a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof. Like a roaring lion ravening the prey, they have devoured souls, they have taken the treasure and precious things, they have made her many widows in the midst thereof. Salem has violated my law and has profaned my holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and profane, neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean, and have hid their eyes from my Sabbaths, and I am profaned among them. Her leaders in the midst thereof are like wolves ravening the prey to shed blood and to destroy souls, to get dishonest gain. And her ministers have daubed them with untempered mortar, seeing vanity and divining lies unto them, saying, Thus saith the Lord God, when the Lord hath not spoken. The people at Salem have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none. Therefore have I poured out mine indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord God. Picture the sanctuary here today as a giant pot where God has brought you all together and He's got you in this building which is a giant furnace. And he says, I have gathered you in mine anger and in my fury, and I will leave you here and melt you. Yea, I will blow upon you in the fire of my wrath, and you shall be melted in the midst thereof. His wrath is kindled, and in a little while you'll all be liquid metal. He's going to boil this mess until only pure silver remains, and the dross will be skimmed off and cast away. Can you feel the hopelessness of your situation? The desperation? What do you feel right now? I'd like for you to answer that in your mind, not verbally, but answer it it concretely enough that later, when we come back to this, you can say what you were thinking in your mind. What do you feel if you imagine that Gary came with this message as his first message? or that I had the nerve to come from Calvary Chapel and have this message. Go back to chapter 2. go back to chapter 2 and again he's speaking about Salem Mennonite church I'm going to piece my way through I've just picked out some verses from chapter 2 and 3 again and again try to really make yourself part of what's happening just think of how you feel as I read So again Gary is speaking and he said unto me son of oh verse so I'm sorry chapter 2 verse 3 he said unto me, Son of man, I send thee to, the, to Salem, to a rebellious nation that hath rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me, even unto this very day, for they are impudent children and stiff-hearted. I do send thee unto them, and thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God. And they, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, forbear there means to not take action, so whether they'll hear you and do something about it or whether they won't, for they are a rebellious house. So whether they hear or not, they shall know there has been a prophet among them. And thou, son of man, be not afraid of them, neither be afraid of their words, through briars, and though briars... Okay, so now Gary is hearing this from the Lord. And thou, son of man... Actually, I'm going to back up a little bit. Here you need to imagine that you're, you're, you're seeing God speak to Gary here. This isn't Gary talking. This is, this is God's message to Gary. Verse 6, And thou, Son of man, be not afraid of them, neither be afraid of their words. Though briars and thorns be with thee, and thou dost dwell among scorpions, be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. And thou shalt speak my words unto them, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are most rebellious. But thou, son of man, hear what I say unto thee. Be not thou rebellious like that rebellious house. Now he's speaking to you again. Ezekiel 3, verse 4. He said unto me, son of man, get thee unto Salem and speak with my words unto them. For thou art not sent to a people of a strange speech and of a hard language, but to Salem. Not to many people of a strange speech and of a hard language, whose words thou canst not understand. Surely, had I sent thee to them, they would have hearkened unto thee. But Salem will not hearken unto thee, for they will not hearken unto me. For all the house, all all of Salem, are impudent and hard hearted. Verse 10, moreover, he said unto me, son of man, all my words that I shall speak unto thee, receive in thine heart and hear with thine ears and go get thee to them of the captivity unto the children of thy people and speak unto them and tell them, thus saith the Lord God, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear. Verse 14, so the spirit lifted me up and took me away. And I went in bitterness. This wasn't fun. I went in the heat of my spirit. That's anger. That's passion. But the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. Then I came to them of the captivity at Talabib that dwelt by the river of Chebar, and I sat where they sat and remained there astonished among them seven days. He was speechless. And it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto Salem. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. Now again, I didn't read this because I'm convinced this is true of Salem. The picture I want to draw here what were you thinking when I read the first section and I asked you to, to, to think what you're thinking? Because what happened again and again and again in the history of Israel is that this message came to them and they said, no, it's not true. We refuse to hear what you have to say. Jesus said a prophet is not without honor except in his own country. And I want to make another qualification here. Terrell and anyone else did not ask me to say any of this. I'm not saying this out of response to anything. This was decided before Thursday, before I came the first time. I mean, this was given to me, I guess. What I I would like to impress upon you, upon each of us, is that uh, we, we tend to think that words of correction, and I'm in the same boat as every one of you, we tend to think that words of correction don't really apply to us. If God's gonna put me in a pot and boil it until the only thing left is silver and all the dross is gone, well, I'll still be there. I'm the silver. My my challenge, we we live in a day, and again, I don't know much at all. It, it, there's a sense of freedom that someone like me has sharing here that isn't at home because I don't know the situations in Salem. A prophet is, with, is not without honor except at home. A, a visiting minister, Paul Emerson, for those of you who don't know who Paul Emerson, he preached at our church a while ago and he gave the illustration of a of a shepherd that had a dog and his sheep were used to The dog wouldn't bite the sheep. He would just bark to make them move. And after a while, they knew he wasn't going to bite. So he went to the neighboring shepherd and said, I need to borrow your dog for a few days. I need to borrow his bark. They're not scared of my bark anymore. So Paul Emerson came and preached at our church. He barked at us a little bit. But we have this tendency, one reason, what did they say when Jesus spoke? He says he's the Son of God. Does anyone here... In general, I realize there's times where we struggle and whatever, but in general, when someone says, Jesus is the Son of God, we just we mentally say, yeah, that's right, that's true. I, I agree to that. In his day, they said, what? we know Mary and Joseph. What do you mean you're the Son of God? We know this guy. You guys know Gary. And you know Missy. And it's so easy when a minister says we need to be concerned about this issue or that thing or, or even if it's just encouragement, whatever it is. Oh, yeah, well, I, I remember Gary when he was 17. I know what he did. He never did tell me sorry about that. Or I know what he did last week. We know the guy. Why do I have to hear anything from him? Now I I don't want to leave on that note but I wanted us to I want to I guess I want you to think about it. One thing I thought about is I could preach to Gary and Missy but it's like kind of like at a wedding I think. Probably you don't remember much of what was shared when you're the when you're the bride and groom you don't remember much of the wedding message. So I thought I'd preach to the rest of you tonight. That line, I sought for a man among them, but I found none. On Thursday night, we, we used that to show that there was no man that could meet the needs of mankind other than the man, Christ Jesus. But coming back to this scenario where, where God is saying, I'm going to pour out my wrath, and I sought for a man, and I couldn't find one. And he said, I sought for a man to stand in the gap in prayer for his people. If God were to walk the aisles at Salem tonight looking for a man who is, who has been, who is actively standing in the gap for his people, for the ministry, for the people at, at Salem, will he find one? Are you one? I want to give you a little bit of a glimpse of what it's like to be in the ministry, I guess. And it's not its not all negative, but the idea that when he came, you can turn to 1 Corinthians 9. When he came to talk, he, he had been given a message already, Ezekiel. And when he came, he didn't just go right into it. He sat speech, sat speechless for seven days. He was astonished. I don't know if that was... I uh, I just I just now thought of Samuel. When Samuel got the vision about Eli, the next morning, Eli said, "What did God tell you?" And he said, "Um," and he didn't want to tell him. He said, "No, come on, you share what God told you." And Samuel had to deliver bad news, and it's not easy. And so here we see Ezekiel having a hard thing to say. And I don't know if it was he was afraid they would reject him, or if he just didn't. None of us likes to be the bearer of bad news. 1 Corinthians 9.16 For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. So thinking of this from the perspective of a minister. For necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will a dispensation of the gospel is committed to me, what is my reward then? Verily that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I may abuse not my, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. I, I suppose every minister here would, would attest to the fact that there's times when you have a message that needs to be shared and it's just burning within you and there's it's if you don't get it out you're going to explode and sometimes that's Easter Sunday and you are full of joy and excitement and and just he is risen and sometimes it's hard things that need to be said and again I'm I'm not speaking to a specific issue I just, I just know that it's hard for the home ministry to talk about some of these things. So I guess I'm just, just doing it. And, and again, I, I really, really felt compelled to share this message. But what is your attitude towards the ministry here? Now, we as ministers have a large responsibility in how we relate To those in our congregation, we're not above reproach. We're not above reproof. We're not above questioning. We're not above correction. I mentioned a verse last, uh, yeah, last night, that I said. I wonder if we believe Matthew twelve, Matthew twelve, thirty six and thirty seven. Matthew twelve thirty six and 37. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. But it talks about the books are open and the the things we've done are looked at. If we could take all the words, and, and I'll speak to myself, you speak to yourself. If we could take all the words that we've spoken, everything we've written, all the comments online, all the things I've liked online or wherever, whatever form of communication it is, maybe the way you rolled your eyes at your father this afternoon. If we could take the words that were said, the things communicated, and the attitude in which they were spoken, and put it all up here on the overhead. We'll just start going through the... We'll just pick random people. and We're going to take everything you've said and done, in the, everything you've said, spoken, communicated... In the last, we don't have to go back very far, 24 hours. Probably every one of us, when it's our turn, would head out the door, including me. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. I have a few more things to share here yet, but I guess just to to give you an idea where we're headed, I I want this to be an opportunity for you to do inventory. Um, Maybe when... You come, and I'm, I am completely making things up. Maybe when you come meet Gary and bless him, you need to go talk to Kevin and say, you know what, Kevin, I'm sorry what I said last week. Or whatever. I've been having thoughts towards so-and-so, and they're not right, they're not appropriate. And I want to be a blessing here. Proverbs eleven nine says, And hypocrite with his mouth destroyeth his neighbor. And hypocrite with his mouth destroyeth his neighbor. But through knowledge shall the just be delivered. When it goeth well with the righteous, the city rejoiceth. And when the wicked perish, there is shouting, By the blessing of the upright the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. I feel like i 'm not stressing these enough, so an hypocrite with his mouth destroyeth his neighbor, but through knowledge shall the just be delivered. It's very easy, and i I have been there done that i'm not I, I know I'm a minister speaking about these things, but i I have been critical, I have done all of these things, but it is so easy to question a decision or assume a motive. And hypocrite with his mouth destroyeth his neighbour, but through knowledge shall the just be delivered. Am I willing to go talk to the individual and ask why was this done? Why did you do? And this doesn't have to be just congregation to ministry. This can be among brother, and it can be among ministers. It can be whatever. When it goeth well with the righteous, the city rejoiceth. When the wicked perish, there is shouting. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted you can be a tremendous blessing to others by simply blessing others. It is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. He that is void of wisdom despiseth his neighbor, but a man of understanding holdeth his peace. A talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. You may not agree, but have you asked for their reasoning? Gary, I'm going to challenge you with Job 28. I'm not going to read that. I just, I just don't have time for everything here. Job 28 talks about, gives the illustration of miners and those who hunt for treasures and all the things they do and and how they find and attain these treasures. And the King James, it's, it's just virtually impossible in my mind to read the King James in that I I am a a fan and a supporter of the King James, but in this particular passage, it really does not, it's just very difficult to get the understanding. But if you read it in the NLT, um, NIV, NLT is probably as, I found to be about as plain as any of them. But they build dams, they bore mine shafts and dangle from ropes, and yet no one knows how to attain wisdom, which is worth far more than any of them. And I like to use, and again, this isn't original with me, but that idea that we as ministers, we bore mine shafts, we hang from ropes, we go down in the dark with a flashlight, we do whatever we need to do to bring things up so that people can enjoy them. How many of you have heard, uh, made a comment, so and so was preaching, and I enjoyed how he brought out that Whatever. We use that term brought out. He read the passage and then he brought out that so-and-so. It was this or that. Matthew 13.52 says, Therefore every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. So part of our job as a minister, as a scribe, is to bring things out, both new and old, and share them with others. Like if we turn to First Thessalonians five, this is my, my prayer for Salem. This is my maybe my challenge, my blessing, whatever you want to call it. Again, just taking and thinking what, what is my attitude towards, and not all of you are from Salem, what is my attitude towards my home church? Whether it's towards the ministry, whether I'm in the ministry and it's towards the people, whether I'm not in the, there's all kinds of dynamics. In or out of the ministry and, and across all, all lines. If we take this and personalize it and make it real, it can be, it can be a, a tremendous blessing to all. 1 Thessalonians 5. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that be drunken, are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, and here's where it gets practical, wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as ye also do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their works' sake. It doesn't necessarily have to be because you appreciate their personality. We all have different personalities. But esteem them highly for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort your brethren warn them that are unruly. This isn't just for the ministry, this is for all of us to do this to each other. Warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the Spirit. Despise not prophesying's. Prove all things, test all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. A man fully consecrated to God. We've consecrated a man to God this afternoon. My challenge is that we be a blessing to him, to each other, and to the congregation. Thank you. Lord bless you.